G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as the principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Our series is entitled, The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 2. And friends, we are focusing on the words of Jesus, His discourses, His statements to His followers prior to His arrest and passion. In this particular lesson, we call it Greater Works, based on John chapter 14, verses 12 to 24. What exactly does the Lord mean by this statement, Greater Works? Well, let me read to you a couple of verses from this portion of Scripture. John 14, verse 12 and 13 reads, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Let's add on verse 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. All right, these are incredible words said by the Master. We can take them at face value, but... Let's also know that if we want to see these verses come to pass, it's not just through faith. It's through faith and patience we obtain the promises. So says the epistle to the Hebrews. So Jesus goes on to say that you will do greater works than him, but it first begins by believing on him. Faith is the key. And friends, we live in an increasingly faithless world. And even those that attend church may not be strong in faith. Faith, of course, comes by hearing. And hearing comes from the Word of God. So says Romans ten seventeen. By faith, mountains move. By faith, we not only believe in what God says, we understand what He has done. And more than that, we see Him work powerfully, miraculously, with breakthroughs and the supernatural touch as we believe in the words that God has spoken. And remember that Jesus doesn't just teach the Word. He is the Word, the incarnate Word, as is so well illustrated in the very first chapter of this Gospel of John. So here we're going to see that there's so much to learn from the greater works message. We're going to examine this topic as closely as we can within the time allotted. And then Jesus will speak to us and teach us about other things as well. But first of all, by believing, we will do the same works of Jesus. 
we will do even greater works than Jesus. And the reason we are able to do greater works is because he goes to the Father. Now, by going to the Father, he's taking his full place and authority at God's right hand. By going to the Father, he will dispatch to us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, third person of the Godhead, also brings to us the power of God. We are empowered and emboldened when we receive of the Holy Spirit. By going back to the Father, Jesus serves as our great high priest. He ever lives to make intercession for us. So there's authority, there's intercession, there's the dispatch of the Holy Spirit. These are some of the things that Jesus does on our behalf by returning to heaven And remember, he's not just anywhere in heaven, because heaven's a big place. He's at the right hand of God, the epicenter of the universe. So in this lesson called Greater Works, based on John 14, 12 to 24, we're going to learn to ask things in his name. He promises he will do whatever we ask in his name. But remember, in his name denotes his lordship, his authority, his will, his ways, his kingdom. He will also talk about the keeping of his commandments, which is a good litmus test for anyone who claims that they love Jesus. He will speak to us very forthrightly about another comforter that he will send to us. That other comforter is, of course, the Holy Spirit. And you can't learn too much about the Holy Spirit, so this will be a good opportunity to add to your knowledge. All right, now let's read the entire portion of John 14, verses 12 to 24. Our lesson is called Greater Works, based on John 14, 12 to 24. Friends, let's listen carefully. This is God's Word. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, he do also, and greater works than these he shall do because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, 
but the Father which sent me. Our reading is from John chapter 14, verses 12 to 24. Our lesson is called Greater Works. So friends, we're at the Olympic pool. Let's dive in. Greater Works, John 14, 12. Jesus stunned his followers by his exclusive claims, especially in John 14, 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, the only pathway to God the Father. And by also saying, by seeing him, you have seen the Father also. Here is another grand statement from the Lord. When you believe in Jesus, his works become your works, and even greater works you shall do. Now, if your head reels from the grandness of these earlier statements, it must be spinning like a top on this one. Can we, as believers, do the same and even greater works than Jesus Christ himself? The answer is apparently yes. This is why he plans to send the Holy Spirit to embolden and empower believers. We will learn more about the wonderful gift of the Spirit as we proceed through the 14th to 16th chapters of this Gospel of John. Now remember, the Christian church was birthed in power, according to Acts 2, and it also grows in power, according to Acts 2 and Acts 4 and basically the rest of the New Testament. The basis of this empowerment is that Christ ascends to the Father and dispatches the Spirit to believers. So this is a wonderful, wonderful promise. Now we go to Acts, or John 14, I should say, verse 13. Ask in my name. Here is another great promise. Whatever you ask in Christ's name, he will do it. The goal, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. In other words, for believers and for the Godhead, loving, cooperating, obeying, and everything else is a win-win for all these parties involved. So then in verse 14 of John 14, Jesus makes the statement, I will do it. To drive home the point, Jesus says if you ask anything in his name, he will do it. Now some believers have taken this verse at face value and were disappointed. Now this does not imply that Jesus doesn't mean what he says or that in some way he is mistaken. Most likely is that we have to do things according to God's terms timing, and territory. If we want Jesus to answer any prayer we ask, we need to be in sync with God. Plus, we need the grace of maturity that comes through patient waiting. Because, frankly, there is no instant, freeze-dried, add-water-and-stir formulation about getting big answers to big prayers. We must be submitted to the name and lordship of Jesus Christ, which positions us to get our prayers answered. And after all, God knows what's best, even if what we ask for is a good thing. The timing may not be good. So let's trust God that he will give us the big thing at the time and place of his choosing. That's grace and maturity in action. So then we go to John fourteen fifteen. Keep my commandments. Here is a good litmus test Anyone can claim to love Jesus. In fact, there are lots of non-Christians who do precisely that. They love Jesus. I've read of such people. I've heard of such people. They come from different religions, 
and they have a notion of Jesus, an image of Jesus that they love. They, they feel close to him. They admire him. They appreciate at least some things about him. They don't necessarily know him as Savior and Lord. They may not necessarily accept him as Son of God, but they love the notion of Jesus that they have. Some of these notions may be accurate. Some of them may be grossly inaccurate. But anyway, they love an image of Christ that they have. The real proof of your love for Jesus, however, isn't the lip service. It's the obedience to his commands. So people can say all they like, they love Jesus. But until they obey his commands, that love is really not love the way God sees it. And so to disobey while claiming to love Jesus is really no love at all. If you love him, you will obey his commandments. You will come to him. You will repent. You will believe. You will receive. Repent of sin. Believe the gospel that he died on the cross for your sins and rose again for your justification. Open your heart and let the king of glory come in. Be born again. This is living in obedience to his commands, and this is demonstrating love to the Lord. Then we have John fourteen sixteen, another comforter. Jesus goes on to tell us he's going to pray to the Father who will give us another comforter. There is an interesting Greek word here, parakletos. Almost sounds like the bird paraclete or parakeet, but it's parakletos. Parakletos means an advocate who walks alongside, counsels, mediates, intercedes, and defends. The Holy Spirit is another comforter, since Jesus clearly is one, too. And he is of the same sort of nature as Christ. He's part of the Godhead. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, and he will be with us forever. Now, this should be of great comfort to all believers. Since Christ, in his human form, is now soon going to ascend to heaven, and one of his tasks once in heaven is to send the Holy Spirit to earth. And then we have that phrase again, the Spirit of truth. John fourteen seventeen, In verse 6 of John 14, Jesus makes the claim to being the truth. Now he's describing truth to the coming comforter, the Holy Spirit. We also learn in John seventeen seventeen that God's word is truth. So here you have it. You have Jesus Christ. He's the truth. You have the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of truth. You have the word of God. The word of God is true. These are the three pillars of divine truth. And you can safely trust this truth to set you free. So when you have Christ, the spirit and the word operative in your life, you are safely on truth's territory. And friends, remember, lies, falsehood, spin, mendacities, gossip, lead to bondage, lead to sin, condemnation, and eventually death itself. The world cannot receive the spirit of truth because it neither sees him or knows him. Yet, to believers, he dwells with us and shall be in us. This is probably a reference to the twofold work of the Holy Spirit. What is the twofold work of the Spirit? First of all, as believers, we are born again, meaning we are born of the Spirit. 
all believers have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. Otherwise, they can't even confess that Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. That's the first work, born of the Spirit. Now, the second work is baptized in the Spirit. Remember what David wrote in the most beloved of all prose in the English language, the 23rd Psalm in the fifth verse. He says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. What a picture of the baptism and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. This gift of the Spirit brings not only boldness, but power to all born-again Christians who will receive it. This baptism was promised by no one less than Jesus himself, as well as John the Baptist. And then we read in John fourteen eighteen, comforted. Jesus plainly states that he will not leave his followers comfortless. He will come again to them. Of course, that's not factoring in the ever-presence of the Holy Spirit with believers, both dwelling with them and in them. And then in verse 19, you see me. Speaking of his coming death, resurrection, and ascension, Jesus declares that the world will see him no more, but those who follow him will see him. Because he lives and will live again, all believers shall also live. Life abundantly in this present world and everlasting life in the world to come. In verse 20, you shall know him, or you shall know, in that day, which is the resurrection, the ascension, or even the fullness of the new birth, which causes you to see the kingdom of God, you shall know. Know what? You'll know that Christ is in the Father, you are in Christ, Christ is in you. Well, in John fourteen twenty one, love and obedience. We hear that the true follower of Christ will demonstrate their love for him by obeying his commands. Those who love Christ through obedience will be loved of the Father. Christ himself loves the obedient and will manifest himself to them. Then we will know him for who he is, and there will be no doubts at all. And then we get Judas's question, John fourteen twenty two. John was no doubt troubled, even scandalized by the betrayal of Jesus by Judas Iscariot. That's why he goes on to explain that the inquiring Judas in this verse was not Judas Iscariot. So this non-Judas Iscariot, Judas, asked the question, how will Jesus manifest himself to disciples, but not to the world? Christ's answer, verse 23 Again, the point is made that love for Christ means obedience to Christ. The Father loves the loving obedient. Both the Father and the Son will come to the obedient believer and dwell within him or her. They will make their abode in that believer, which is the same word, moni, M-O-N-E, which is translated mansions in John 14, 2. Finally, verse 24, those who don't love Christ will also not obey his words. What you are now hearing is not merely from Jesus alone, but also comes from the Father who sent him. While our lesson is called Greater Works, and our lesson for life is Jesus Christ gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him through love. Acts 5, 
verse 32. I'll say it again. Jesus Christ gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey Him through love. Acts 5, verse 32. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.